What up, what up? I'm Trion Longsmith. And I'm Erin Drake Lee. And we are the mamas of BB's Are Trash. We are two liberated mamas smashing the patriarchy, one candid conversation around healing through mothering at a time. We're going to dig deep and go through that trash and get to them treasures. We're going to go down to the bottom, find that trapdoor, go down more to the mo bottom, and unleash that goldy gold gold. We're going to face ourselves, y'all, because that's where all the good stuff is. That fearless honesty getting us to the other side. Hi. Good morning. Welcome back. Welcome back, everyone. Hi. Um, we have oh, our who's second over there? guest. Our second <laughs> guest, <laughs> Jessica Kramer. Jessica Kramer. That's yeah. right. Yeah. That's me. Yes. Hey, girl. Hey. Oh. Welcome. <laughs> they have met you already in uh, story, but not yet in real life like today. Not yet. Sound. <laughs> not your own voice. Not my voice. Just me talking about it. Stories of. Ah, yes. Yes. So uh, Jessica is the greatest, and she's here today to talk to us about her new expertise. Not new, but like she's no longer available, as we know, to be We should doula. mention Jessica Kramer, if you remember from our very first episode, yes. is Aaron's doula. That's right. And now she has updated and expanded into amazing new horizons in the land of somatics. And so we had her come today because we want her to break down some basics on how mamas and babies function, interact with each other, and generally speaking, what humans are looking for when they appear earthside (laughs) Mm -hmm. and um, how you get grounded and how these interactions start to develop, establish, and play out. Jessica, how are you today? I'm good. Yeah. I'm still feeling the like post Memorial Day weekend chillness, you know, mm. like that extra couple days off mm-hmm. and had a big Memorial Day. My neighborhood oh. has a barbecue. Oh, oh neighborhood wide. Neighborhood wide barbecue. One of the streets is closed off and oh. there's a pet parade. A pet parade? Oh. A pet parade. Oh. And um, Tashi's best friend, Tashi, my dog, mm. is his best friend's owner convinced me to be in the pet parade. Mm-hmm. And drum roll. Yeah. He won best hair. Stop. And his best friend won best costume. Oh, so that's a big day. It was a big day. It's a really big day. (laughs) Did he enter all categories or just the hair category? So you, I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't. What breed of dog is Tashi? So we can. He's a, a Tibetan terrier. He's very glamorous. One of my friends has taken to calling him from the time he was a, a puppy. He's the Claudia Schiffer of dogs. Oh. He's got this sort of golden, uh, white, black, brown, uh, all long, of the colors. all <laughs> uh-huh, the colors, uh-huh. long, flowing. So I... You didn't enter specific categories per se. I didn't actually know the categories ahead Mm -hmm. of time. Had I, I mean, at some point it was like somebody was doing tricks, and I was like, "Well, wait, I didn't know I was supposed to do. We could have done tricks, you know." So he wasn't. He he then was not eligible for best talent 
because he um, won best hair. You can't be- win everything. Right. Right. And um, I mean, then there was best costume, which was really. Did he enter the costume? He did not. I mean, who would want to cover those oh, the hair. flowing the hair. locks? Right. That was yeah. his, that's his whole thing. That's huh. his whole thing. That yeah. Um, but he, he could have done best talent and he didn't win best in show, which he doesn't seem too upset about. Um, I saw, are you sure? I, I saw a picture of his mother with his uh, winning medal. I think there was a medal. She, uh, looked, she looked very, very proud. Yes. Pleased. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes, it, indeed. Uh-huh. Is that in, you? Indeed. Are you? Are you the mom? <laughs> oh, yeah. We, so, so then after the awards. <laughs> you got um, a, a his, professional photo taken. Well, also known as the neighbor, <laughs> taking a photo of m- me with. Tashi and um, his son and their dog, who were in matching costumes. That's really why they won of best course. costumes. And oh. and with the owner of Best in Show, who's somebody I don't know from the neighborhood. So, hmm. um, yeah, we we you know we had to document this momentous occasion, this huge day you had, which then led to some amazing interactions in the neighborhood through the week of like I heard he won. <laughs> <laughs> And you, as the proud mom, have to say, yes, of yes, course. I mean, it, look it, at him. Exactly. Look at him. Exactly. Yeah. Did yeah. he get a new leash or some kind of uh, reward? Or Yeah. Oh, gosh. Was Don't tell him. There. I mean, he well, got a ribbon for, that oh, said okay. best hair. Amazing. Um, and just yeah. like the confidence of knowing he's got the best hair in the He hood. doesn't really need more confidence. <laughs> 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 this is good. <laughs> Yeah, we we did a lot of laughing oh, that good. day. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, Aaron, that's very exciting. How are you? I have a, a convenient. I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. There's kind of a lot going on. People in and out of town, but it's all good stuff. I have a, a on topic experience that happened this week with Sadie, who asked me um, if I can come pick her up early because she does not want to go to her activity after school. And I said, well, why don't you want to go to yoga? She said, I don't want to go to yoga today. I said, well, mommy wants to know why you want me to come and get you early. And she says, well, when I go to yoga, mommy, it makes me feel really calm. And I said, oh, that's makes mommy feel really calm when she goes to yoga. That's part of why I love going to yoga so much. And she says, I don't want to feel calm today, mommy. And I said, well, why don't you want to feel calm? She says, when I feel calm in yoga, it makes me feel my feelings. And I was Uh like, what? That's so amazing. I said, it makes me feel my feelings too. She said, I don't want to feel my feelings today. And I said, but it's just so good. And then you feel them and then you keep doing other stuff. And she said, so are you going to pick me up early? (laughs) And I said, no, baby, I'm not. Because it actually makes me so happy that you feel your feelings in yoga. Now you definitely have to go. (laughs) So uh, I did not pick her up early, and she went to yoga. And uh, I did give her room if she didn't want to talk to me about the feelings that she felt, and I did not get a report back. So I don't Mm. know how she's feeling about having gone to yoga that day. Maybe she felt her feelings about it in yoga class. (laughs) But she was happy enough when I picked her up. So I'll take that as a, you know, it was a good day. Yeah. How are you doing today, Trion? I'm good. I'm good. I had a, a busy week. Um. I have I also have a funny kids story. Mm. Um I was going to therapy this week and Sasha was like, Mom, mama, where are you going? And I was like, Oh, I'm gonna go to therapy. And she was like, Oh. And she goes, Dada, mama go to go to therapy because she's old. <laughs> she's really obsessed with talking about things that 
old people do and babies do and big kids do. Mm. Um, and I'm now old, apparently. Mm. Is she a big child? Kid? Uh, she's going back and forth between being a mama, uh-huh. a big kid, and a baby. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. So you're old. I'm old. As the mom, you're not a mama anymore. No, you're just I'm just old. old. I'm oh. just old. Oh. It's sweet. When she plays mama, does she go to therapy ever? Um. She does. She goes to therapy. She goes to the Jane Club. Oh. She goes to see Aaron, my friend Aaron, uh-huh. Mama Aaron. <laughs> That's good. It's really funny. Yeah, and she goes to work a lot. Yeah, mm. that's mm-hmm. fine. Everybody's yeah, I'm always like, work. oh, that's great. You're going to work. I'm so excited for you. Mm. You're gonna make some money. Do you know what she does? Um, no. Work for her is uh is painting. Oh, she's like, this, this is, is my good. work, which is. I'm mm. all for it. Love mm. that. She does yeah. painting, uh, mm. Play-Doh, mm-hmm. drawing. It's all creative stuff. That's her work. And mm. I, I celebrate that. That's good. Mm-hmm. I like it. <laughs> it's very appropriate for our guest today, mm-hmm. Jess. Mm. This is good. Jessica. Well, yeah. So I started out as a birth doula and um, spent many years in the world of pregnancy and birth and breastfeeding and those early days and weeks with moms and babies. And now it's been evolving, and I started to study uh, something called somatic experiencing, which is a modality for working with resolving trauma and nervous system disruption. And as I was doing that, it started to illuminate for me a lot of what I was seeing in moms and babies, things that I had thought were normal and just to be expected. And I started to wonder, maybe that's not really how it's supposed to be going. Um, I just began to feel like I was able to work more effectively with that. And um, over time, it became my full-time practice. So I no longer attend births. And now what I do is really work with people around early developmental disruption. So the disruption that happens in the first uh, years of life. And I work a lot with moms and babies and um, toddlers and families and, and stuff like that. So yeah. what are mom, well, what is baby able to do, doing, comprehending, and how does that interaction between mom and baby function? What's happening mm. when the baby shows up? Yeah. One of the things to understand is that when babies are born, they have access to a a feeling of stress, which is also really translated as a feeling of I need something. And they have access to kind of turning off, but they don't actually have access to nuances of feeling. They don't have access to um, settling themselves or kind of being aware of feelings of safety they're they're really simple and it's through the care of mom or primary caregiver through that relationship through those experiences that the baby's nervous system begins to um begins to develop the ability to settle themselves to sense safety to have more um subtle shifts in their nervous system. So it's not such extremes. So for um, people who have had a baby, if you remember those early days of life, it's like they're either crying because they need food or they're asleep. That's sort of it. There isn't even a period of like falling asleep. You know, you get a few moments a day of 
of quiet alert. I mean, and really like five, 10 minutes maybe, but mostly it's kind of either I'm on because I need food or I'm off and that's it. But over time, as mom responds to them and, and needs get met and they start feeling mom's body and feeling mom's subtle responses, they begin to have access to that. And that's when you get more, um, I'm slowly waking up and slowly expressing that I need something. And maybe I whimper a little, but I don't fully cry. Um, and, you know, I, I might feel settled, but not yet sleep or slowly fall asleep. Things like that. You, um, mm. in your introduction, you were talking a little bit about seeing things go a specific way and feeling like, hmm, questioning it a little bit. Can you get mm-hmm. specific about that? Like, I'm curious what those experiences were and mm. what they looked like. Yeah. So some of it um, was about sleeping and nursing. Mm. So certainly in the first um, month or two of life, a baby is, they just kind of need to be on the boob all the time Mm -hmm. unless they're sleeping, Mm -hmm. you know, and sort of anything is going on, what they need is to nurse. Mm -hmm. Um, They don't really have other needs, especially in those first two, three weeks. And they need to nurse frequently through the night. Like I don't expect to see a baby that's sleeping for more than four hours. And even that is a long time for a baby to be able to sleep. But as time goes on, it shouldn't be so frequent. Mm -hmm. But at the time that I was in the birth world, I thought, oh yeah, babies just, they just need to nurse all the time. Mm. It's it's super normal. Yeah, some babies just nurse a lot through the night and just need kind of constant feedback through the night. And Um, yeah, babies just need to be held kind of all the time. Mm -hmm. And it started to be like, oh, wait a second. Once they get to a certain age, that should start to slowly shift. Mm. So not like they don't need to be picked up and they don't need to nurse frequently, especially if there's a developmental leap happening or they're sick or something like that. But that it shouldn't be that you have a six-month-old that is nursing every hour or two Mm. and can only fall asleep at the breast and in arms. By that point, there should be a shift that's starting to happen. Uh And so I started to wonder, what's going on that some babies make that shift really naturally? Mm -hmm. And some babies, you have a 10-month-old, a one-year-old that's waking up every hour or two and always needs to nurse in order to fall back asleep. And if they don't get that and they have if they don't get picked up immediately and responded to immediately, it's like a total meltdown. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, something's off here. Ah. And you found a connection to possible to trauma or? Well, you know, the way I think about trauma is not um, sort of there was some big event right. that was really big and bad, right? Mm-hmm. It, it just means there was something that didn't quite get to complete. There was some need that wasn't met at the time it was supposed to be met or some Mm -hmm. response that didn't get to happen at the time it wanted to happen. And so there was some disruption. And sometimes we can identify the disruption, but I would say most of the time we can't. Okay. It's just something subtle. And oftentimes it's what's going on with mom. So maybe there was a stressful event for mom or maybe mom was overwhelmed after giving birth and she just wasn't able to be settled and responsive in a way that felt safe to her. Mm. And so then baby has a kind of jumpiness Mm -hmm. to themselves because that's 
what they were learning from the nervous system that was taking care of them. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just they, you know, they feel something and it's like, oh, God, let's do something. Because right. that's what mom felt. And maybe because that's what was done to mom. Or, um, yeah, there are mm. a lot of possibilities. Can you talk about that feedback a little bit more um, of what of what is happening between the mom and the baby in terms of how their bodies are speaking to each other, connecting to each other, and how the child is mirroring the environment? I think that's very yeah significant in terms of establishing what you're what you're talking about. I think it could take it a, a step further. Yeah. So when babies are born. They are completely dependent on mom or caregiver. They cannot survive without that care. And it's a, they're really mammals. It's like, we're not yet really humans. We're just mammals. And we, as such, mom has this kind of mama bear impulse, sort of like, give me my baby. Mm -hmm. I want to hold my baby. Nobody touch my baby. Mm I don't feel settled unless I'm feeling my baby or seeing my baby because, like, I have to make sure my baby's safe. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about, speak to how the baby and the mother's only real experience in knowing that they're safe. I think there's an element of life and death in the experience that's happening. And the baby's essentially goes into kind of a crisis mode when it doesn't get its needs met because its only job is to stay alive. And so if the need is not getting met, it goes all the way far to the danger zone of, oh, I'm in danger, danger, danger. And so I want to hear about how um, the connection between mom and baby and how close they really need to be to make sure that each of them are probably properly getting the response from one another that everyone's safe and everything is okay and what is really happening in that exchange that's so important for them to have between them for the development of them both at that new stage of life. So I think an important starting place is to talk about how we are living in a culture that is very oriented to what we consciously think. Right. What we kind of quote know And um, moms are constantly being told to kind of use their big human logical brain. Mm -hmm. But the reality is when it comes to being with your child and when it comes to where a baby is at and where a toddler is at, but especially a baby, that part of the brain is actually irrelevant. Mm -hmm. What's really relevant are the deep reptilian and mammalian parts of the brain that are really about a felt sense. It's about emotion and about sensation in the body. It's about movement impulses. It's about needs that you can't talk your way out of. Mm -hmm. And so what happens that's a little Um, difficult to understand with babies is that crisis mode you describe it for babies it doesn't usually actually look like a crisis occasionally you have a baby that's really um, a big crier and fusser but that's pretty rare mostly what happens for babies because they can't take care of themselves is their nervous system goes into a mode of functioning that's a conservation state where they actually aren't asking for needs they aren't fussing much they sleep a lot. They seem, um, it, it's the extremely easy babies. Mm. 
she never asked for anything. She was always fine. She was always calm. She never cried. I had to wake her to nurse her. Um, I mean, sometimes you have a baby in that state in the first few days, but when that's going on, what that's telling you is the baby's perception, not not intellectual perception because they don't have that ability yet, but their body's perception is my needs are not going to be met, so I should turn off and use as little energy as I can possibly use. Hmm. And what that means is mom and baby really need to be feeling each other. So there, and and what can often happen is, you know, uh, other family members will say like, oh, well, we'll take the baby so you can go sleep. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I used to walk into clients' houses and I would find the mom lying there with her eyes like <laughs> so wide and and just looking in shock and like, I can't sleep, I can't sleep, I can't sleep. And it was like, right, because you, you actually need to be feeling the baby. Yeah. So- And it's not that they don't trust their partner or the family. It's not this kind of intellectual thing. It's actually that their body is wired to be protecting and caring for their baby. And the only way mom will settle is if her body is having the felt lived experience of, I am caring for my baby. Mm -hmm. My baby is well. And that means, you know, mom might be able to go take a shower for 10 minutes But usually mom will get out of the shower and there will be an urgency to like get back to the baby and Mm -hmm. like feel the baby, like give me the baby so I can, I can touch their body. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the, a good way to describe it is I would often find that when moms were first starting to venture out into the world to go for a 10 minute walk, if they would put the baby in the stroller, they would come home and there would be a level of kind of ratcheting up in them. They just would, would feel a little, um, buzzy or something like they couldn't quite settle and I mean their baby was in the stroller they could see the baby the whole time but if they put the baby in a carrier of some kind they they just would come home and it would feel fine because without having to think or look with their eyes their body was feeling the baby breathing Mm. they were feeling the baby's warmth they were feeling the baby's subtle movements. They were feeling the baby's heartbeat. None of it because they're thinking about it, but just because their body's perceiving it. And that's really what it's meant to be, is that these two bodies are in this symbiotic state. They're not really separate yet. They're totally dependent on one another. And when that's met for mom and baby, by you know three weeks, four weeks, you start to see these subtle shifts that, mom will get out of the shower and there won't be as much urgency to get the baby into her Mm, arms mm -hmm. and that baby won't ratchet up as quickly if you know mom's in the shower and baby's hungry and you know while they're waiting it's like their body is knowing oh yeah mom comes and feeds me soon enough Mm -hmm. and so there's yeah it's a little unsettled inside but it's not that unsettled it's not that big of a deal However, going back to what you brought up earlier, Trion, about the trauma thing and how I was saying, you know, we need to, I don't think of trauma in the big like buzzword term, right? but if mom and baby don't get to have that really symbiotic connected body to body connection because family members were caring for the baby a lot and telling mom to just calm down or because the baby was in the NICU and so their bodies weren't together as much or, you know, mom had a health issue after giving birth and so she wasn't able to care for the baby as much. 
what will happen is you're a month out, you're two months out, and that didn't get to complete. There was an interruption in that symbiotic body-to-body connection. And so then it the need keeps being there. Mm-hmm. And it may show up as in the need keep continuing to be there because it's not happening. The baby continues to be aloof and not needy. And mom continues to feel aloof and like she's not really bonding with the baby. Or it can be the other extreme, this kind of clinginess. They need to constantly be in contact at an age when we should start seeing a difference. Mm-hmm. And and it's this thing that both of their bodies are just waiting to have that satisfied so they can finally move on and begin to become individuals. And that that is a big part of your work, right? Helping mom and baby finish that cycle, finish that process. Exactly. What Can you yeah. give us an example of what that looks like sometimes? Yeah. So um, w- what it's really about is coming back to the body and the subtle body impulses that show up with mom and baby. So it might be something like, um, you know, letting them really cling on to each other and feel how good it feels to be in that clingy state, holding each other really tight and not trying to move on and not trying to talk the baby or toddler or talk themselves out of it, but just let it be there and feel the emotions and feel the sensations of that until it begins to shift on its own noticing what's pleasant about it for mom, Mm. things like that. Um, Or it can also be things like getting to um, push away because uh, a common thing that can happen, I see this a lot with uh, cesarean babies or other babies where there's um, babies that were intubated or there was deep suctioning. Anytime there was some sort of intervention very early on where a baby didn't get to complete movements of arching back, which Mm. are normal movements to, you know, if something's being put into your mouth, the natural impulse is going to be to get away from it. Mm -hmm. But a newborn can't because they don't have that, that um, strength or ability. Um, Or in a vaginal birth, babies push and there's an arching motion that happens. And if those movements didn't get to happen, what can often happen is then when baby is, mom's trying to put baby to the breast, baby will be fighting it Hmm. and arching away. And then mom will kind of get into a battle of trying to pull baby closer. Hmm. And mom will be feeling rejected probably and stressed that the baby's not going to eat. And then there's kind of a tension in baby's body as baby's nursing or never did successfully nurse and had to be on the bottle. And so what I might do is as that arching starts to happen with baby, you know, and I, as soon as I'll see that tension begin to be present in mom's hands and in mom's face, you know, I'll talk about it with mom and say, well, let's actually help baby do that arching away. Mm. And then I'll kind of facilitate the arching away and then just begin to notice the very subtle movements of arching, uh, sort of a curling toward that Mm. begins to happen because nobody stays arched away forever. It's not comfortable. Ultimately, we want to be close and connected because that's how we survive as a species. Close and connected. Mm. (laughs) You said the keywords for what I want you to talk about next because that is really what you, um, the, 
they're the natural instincts that so many of us have when baby shows up. And I think a lot of the times people are battling between those instincts and between what we are taught um, by books, systems, society, society, etc. And um, <clears throat> the close and connected is really is really interesting to me because I think it speaks to the natural state. And I think we're in a place where we're getting more awareness and recognition around the need for that. Um, and just how we've, we've talked about so many of these things so many times, but can you talk about what humans are looking for in terms of that grounding element that comes into the connection? Like when, when you, when we talk about establishing that firm enough grounding so that they are able to be close and connected and then go out and do other things elsewhere, go to school, go with friends, go play, run across the park and come back and know that they're safe. And, and I, I'm not sure if I'm finding the language right now, but how you have talked to me about when they have that connection, that is then what is establishing their ability in the future to move more comfortably and freely around yeah so where to begin it's such a big I know. Topic. well that's why well, i think, I I think like, the begin like the establishing elements of that we talk a lot about um books talk a lot about and you know like online forums and facebook groups and mom's groups and you know mm -hmm. on and on and on are always talking about how to get their kid to where they want their kid to be. Mm. And what I think gets left out is where they are. Mm. And where we need to be is we need to feel safe. Mm -hmm. Both mom and baby's bodies need to perceive safety. Yeah, what's interesting is there is actually no conversation about that in those first few months. I don't think as a, as a new mom, at any point, is anyone asking about do you feel safe does the baby feel safe there's no conversation around security right and there's really no conversation about does mom feel safe yeah right? there might be stuff around like i want to make sure my baby feels they might not use the word safe but mm -hmm. that's kind of uh, there in some yeah. way but nobody is saying what do you mom need so you feel safe and settled mm -hmm. not numb not even and neutral mm -hmm. because it's very emotional it's very tender it's supposed to be emotional safety doesn't mean you don't feel things mm -hmm. safety means you are moving through feelings and in your body sensing that somehow you'll get through it that it's not such a big disruption mm -hmm. i feel like mm -hmm. most of the language is around getting back to your old self going back right. do you feel like yourself again are you even back in your own clothes which is your old clothes which is like the most ridiculous question that you get it's like i just had a baby why are you there asking no me this back. yeah like, there's right. no such thing that's not so even it's possible like a joke to it's, even yeah continue to use that language you've crossed a threshold and you're now doing something entirely different and so to talk about it in any other context than what is currently happening and how we can best learn and process and develop through there is really where the conversation should shift to. Yeah. So if we're talking about safety, what does that look like? If we're talking about how do we ask mom, do you feel safe? Is it just that simple of saying, you know, what do you need to feel safe right now? 
Well, I think what's hard is that um, this is not something that happens intellectually, right? So asking mom, what what do you need to feel safe? Do you feel safe? That's actually a really, those are two very complicated questions, right, right? right? So I think one of the important things is before a baby's born, getting familiar with what does safe feel like for mom? Mm. What makes her feel safe? What are the things that support that? Hmm. So that then there's some reference point for how do we facilitate this when mom is in this deeply emotional, tender, actually very dynamic state, and so is baby. And that also applies to baby in terms of um, this idea of wanting baby to feel safe and secure. That doesn't mean baby never feels discomfort. Mm. It doesn't mean baby never... Um, sits and squirms and fusses and has tension in their face and body. But actually that those things are moving through and settling. Mm -hmm. And that's also true for mom. You know, m moms in that first week cry so much typically. Mm -hmm. And it's not even crying because they're sad, right? We're in this culture that talks about, that sort of perceives crying as as like, it's if you're crying, you're sad. Right. I often have clients that'll be crying and they'll say, but I'm not even sad. And it's like, oh yeah, you're so not sad. Like yeah. maybe I, part of what I'm seeing is like this overwhelming gratitude yeah. that's coming through that's bringing tears and emotion mm -hmm. or, you know, just tenderness. A or, lot of my tears were, were about release, like the release of my old self, this old version, like saying goodbye to who, the woman I was before I became a mom. Right. That also applies to baby, right? That that there's this way that the body should be, actually be moving through expression and moving through different states that the moment the baby begins to squirm and fuss, it's not necessary to rush to them and immediately put them on the breast, right? right? That actually isn't conveying safety. What that's conveying is, uh-oh, something's wrong, do something mm -hmm. right away or you're not going to be okay, mm -hmm. which is really different than looking at the baby, gazing at the baby, beginning to slowly touch the baby and and find connection from the periphery of their bodies toward the middle as they're beginning to express something. Maybe they're actually just working on pooping, right? <laughs> and because pooping for newborns is like, yeah. you know, and their faces turn bright red and their whole body tenses up. And it's like, oh yeah, that's a poop, you know? And, and sometimes it's actually that they're beginning to squirm because they're waking up and they want to eat. And so if you slowly approach them and you feel curious and you feel settled in yourself, and then as you begin to see them begin to express more, you pick them up and you slowly begin to feed them. Their body kind of learns that this connection is something that happens at their pacing, at a shared pacing, mm. that this is what safe feels like. Safe doesn't feel like nothing. Right. Safe actually feels like a dynamic, emotional, sensate experience that happens in in a, a relationship. Mm -hmm. And so much of that happens when the movements and the interactions are very small. And there's just so much curiosity that is needed in order to successfully move through these processes. Yeah. And so thinking and putting the pressure onto yourself as if you should already know what to do, how to do it, following the direction, really that's the opposite of what it is because it should be more of a full-blown discovery mm -hmm. and exploration right. and curiosity 
around what's happening. And when you're able to settle down into that place, that's where you really get the opportunity to observe and right. learn because it's learning. You're each learning how to do these things and right. do them together. I think that's where I was trying to get um, when I wanted to talk about, wanted you to talk a little bit more about the establishing of the connection and what humans need between each other in terms of being right. seen and understood and felt and how those play together mm. to create those establishing um, elements of your foundational being and how um, and how contrastly we've gotten into such a place where people are so isolated and doing things alone and how disruptive that is to the, the, the very base level human needs of connection. Yeah. So what, I mean, a lot of things come to mind as you bring that up. One of the things that comes to mind is that, you know, we hear people talk a lot about babies learning to self-regulate. Mm -hmm. Yes. Babies learning yeah. to self-soothe. Mm -hmm. And actually the way we learn to feel safe and to self-soothe is through relationship. Yes. It's through being seen and reflected. It's that when I smile, I see your eyes light up and you smile back. And that makes me smile bigger. And then you smile bigger. And then I giggle. And then you giggle. And we have this back and forth that happens, which means I exist. Mm -hmm. Because what's happening in me is being seen and it's eliciting a response. And then it elicits a response in me. And, and that's how I know I'm in the world. That's how I know the sensations and emotions I'm feeling are real and valid. Mm -hmm. And if I'm real and valid, then I can move in the world as opposed to um, I'm left by myself to do something because I actually don't know how to do anything. Mm -hmm. What I know how to do is turn off. Mm -hmm. And and the the term for that back and forth between two people, two individuals, we all need it, it never goes away, is co-regulation. Yes. Mm. It's like we talk about codependence in our culture and we talk about self-soothing and self-regulation, but nobody's actually talking about co-regulation, which is this, this give and take that's always happening, that we're wired as a tribal peoples. We are not meant to survive alone. Our brains, our bodies are constantly perceiving what's happening in the people around us. Because when we lived in the bush, if every time something, you know, a dangerous animal was coming along, each individual had to perceive the animal, well, we wouldn't have been in very good shape, right? But if one person sees the, the big predator, you know, and the big lion and they have an uh-oh response and that ripples through the community everybody gets a message some consciously some unconsciously right it might begin with like uh-oh do something and it's like oh we got to do something but slowly in this non-conscious way in this in this deep inside way we're perceiving ah i got to be on a little bit of alert cuz there's something i've got to do right as well as oh, that worked. What we did worked and now everybody's coming down and I'm perceiving everybody settling. And so that's what we need from each other. We need that feedback. Um, I mean, we've talked before about, you know, this is why solitary confinement is, is such an intense torture, is you're not getting feedback from anyone and anything. 
And it is really the stuff of insanity to not get the feedback. So babies just need, they just need to feel that their breath is moving mama's breath or whatever caregiver's breath, because that's what we do to each other. We can't not. And so that's where that deep body safety begins to happen. And I begin to learn that this is real and I can turn to others to get feedback. Um, You know, we've all lived in New York and it's one of the things that I think about as being such a rich part of the subway experience Mm -hmm. is, is that way that you're like, you know, people describe New Yorkers as not being friendly, but actually there's this kind of constant relating that's happening yeah. amongst New Yorkers. And just when you're sitting down on a subway or standing mm-hmm. on a crowded subway, there are these very subtle interactions that have some like comedy to it and have some comfort to mm-hmm. it and warmth to it, right? That's so true. And and it's one of the things that like we don't get here in LA because mm-hmm. you're getting in your little car bubble. And you're so isolated. And you're so isolated. And then that aggression starts to come out between drivers, right? Because you're not actually like seeing and feeling another human, right? Mm -hmm. You're seeing like this metal box that's moving along and doing something you don't like (laughs) or getting in your way, right? And and it's not that aggression doesn't happen, you know, on the New York subway, but there are all these subtle interactions that actually we're meant to have all the time. And babies need it a lot more because then I know... I can go out in the world and be at the playground and there can be an exchange that happens. And also there can be an exchange and I can go like, I didn't like that exchange. Something's fishy about that exchange, right? Because I know I can also go back to mama and be felt and received. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hearing all of that and hearing the human function of it and um, the mammalian function of that makes me very excited because I'm hoping that it, directs and as this knowledge starts to um, expand further out, I'm hoping that it gets us back to the place where we have a better understanding around how the relation between mama and baby is meant to be very close. And then from there, the rope gets longer, 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 and that it's a boomerang so much at the beginning and throughout everyone's life, the Mm. all the way through. But how, you know, I think we got to a place where People are thinking the baby comes out and immediately is supposed to be sleeping on its own in the other room. And I'm really excited and refreshed that we're the language around and the knowledge around them needing to be very close and then being very close that early then allows that rope to get longer and longer and longer comfortably. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it it's it's just really it's just really comforting to hear. And so much what I have what I have learned in the comforts that I developed is through our interactions and work together. But it's just it it always was very intuitive for me, and to have the room to work on that feeling and the being of it is where I hope more people get the chance to get to because that's that's back to the discovery. It's the discovery of what's happening, and it's different for everybody in the needs of every different family and how, you know, they work together. And so to establish these things so early was such a huge reason why I wanted to make sure I was there with my kids as much as I possibly could be, because I knew that they were going to have to go out and do things without me. And so I, the knowledge I was seeking was around how do I make them most comfortable to be able to do that successfully. And okay. so I, I love the conversation about the beingness of of the exchanges and how us humans really 
function and how we can get back into our bodies and more out of our heads because the over-intellectualizing and the overthinking of all of these processes is doing all of us a disservice. And it's, yeah. and it's making me, it's making me think of a conversation you and I had differently. I mean, had recently, um, where you were telling me, yeah, yeah, you, you can think your way through all of that, Aaron, but, um, you might not be able to get to the other side until you get your body to the other side. And I was like, oh, oh, well, okay. I guess I'll stop thinking. I'm just going to sit here a little bit and see what I feel. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I'm, I'm so thrilled to have you in this conversation with everyone, because I think, I think the resources that people are going after are more often wrong. Yeah. Because I think they still function under the old system of wanting to tell everybody the same message of here's what you need to do. And if it's not working for you, it must be you doing it wrong. And right. we firmly are against that kind of messaging right. because it's so unique for everybody in their own personal situation. And the only way you really get to uh, where you're meant to be is through listening and paying attention to yourself and your children. And feeling. I think a lot of the messaging is about doing what you should do, how to do it. This is the way to do it. This is how we do it. This is, you can't do it. You're doing it. It's, it's all doing. (laughs) None of it is about feeling your way through it or taking a moment to feel your own feelings. How do you feel? None, no, at no point is a check-in for new mom about how do you feel? How do you, how are you feeling? And if it is a feeling question, it's generally directed about your body. How does your body feel? Have you healed? Can you have sex? Like that's, that's kind of the question. It's never about your emotions, your emotional life. And it, it's was always so crazy to me. It was sort of maddening because I felt like so much was going on emotionally inside. And I was like, where am I supposed to put all of these feelings that I have? I didn't know like how to share it or express it or get it out. And, um, it's such a, a refreshing, a refreshing message to hear that it's about, it is about feeling it is about like, that's the starting point of your connection to your baby. And the starting point of of this journey that you're going on. Yeah. And what both of you guys were just talking about makes me realize something we haven't spoken about yet today, which is how important it is that what you're um, talking about and expressing overtly is a match to what you're feeling inside Mm -hmm. that um you know there's such an emphasis on like you've got to be calm for your baby to be calm Mm -hmm. and it's like okay what happens when you're not calm and if you're sitting there acting calm like doing calm Mm -hmm. like you just said you know Mm -hmm. the doing thing if you're kind of doing calm performing calm and your eyes have a look of terror in them that's actually even scarier for a baby than you kind of pacing around and crying and saying, I'm having a really hard time and I'm here for you, right? Mm. Or like, I'm trying to be here for you and I don't know how to do it, but I'm going to try to do it. And 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 it also feels better for mom, right? And it doesn't always feel good. Mm. It's not meant it to really always feel good. It's not meant to always feel good. I think... It, it's not meant to feel good, and, and we're meant to teach them the range of the emotions, and we're meant to acknowledge and recognize 
and notice the range of emotions because they're all the waves that come in and move back out. And that's so right. we have to be able to differentiate between because that's how we are building that intuition that helps guide us through and lets us know, like you said, mammalian wise, when it's time to run and when we're safe. And then once we're finished right. running to shake it off and know that now we can be safe and calm again. And, right. and I, I think that's one of the sweet spots of our, our whole motivation for having these conversations is also the opportunity for us to reparent ourselves mm -hmm. as we discover what it is that we missed and we really need as adults alongside and, and in parallel with parenting our children. Mm -hmm. And, and that is, and in this case, you know, they're very small, tiny babies. So I think it's, it's such an amazing opportunity to give both parties mm -hmm. and all parties a brand new space to learn and seek and discover and heal. And that is, you know, that's the premise of our position is that we want to be able to heal and expand ourselves while also nurturing these children and giving them as many tools to stay connected as they possibly can. So hopefully they have a little less healing to do. There will mm -hmm. always be a healing to yeah. be done because there's no way we can speak to any other person's needs because we're not them. So we can't know. So we and will do life. our best. And like, it's life. Life is and a journey. <clears throat> yeah. And so everyone is going to have you know, missed connections and misinterpretations and, and the and the strategy through for getting through that is not going up into the head, but coming back down into the body right. and paying attention. And, and, acknowledging and acknowledging that you missed the mark. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that, that right. that's such a big thing that actually missing the mark is not something to feel shame about mm -hmm. or to feel like, oh God, I screwed it up. It's actually more like, yep, missed the mark on that one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and to acknowledge it and to, you know, be open to what that creates in terms of an opportunity to... Right. Um, repair, an opportunity to notice, an opportunity to build that connection. Because uh, I don't want to jump too far out, but just one little thing on when those opportunities present, that's when you're actually learning the resilience of being able to process through experiences. You, If it's only ever going well, you don't ever have the you're opportunity. You're actually in paralyzed terror yes because then if it doesn't go well i am screwed i have no idea how to deal with it right and so you are learning how to deal with the waves of life by dealing That's with right. the very small many movements and many experiences that then are the tools that help you to manage the larger bigger waves yeah mm -hmm. one Tsunamis. of the things i really love it, that i get to see in my practice now is as moms really learn this skill of like it, yep gonna miss the mark a bunch and mm -hmm. gonna like when when it's like oh my god something's really off here no idea what's off mm -hmm. and what needs to be done but mm -hmm. like we're off and <laughs> gonna figure it out yeah. and the mm -hmm. ways they figure out to return to connection with their kids and it can feel so rich and delicious that I mean I think we've all experienced that the times that you had a fight with your partner or a friend and then it's that coming back together that can be so much more sweet yeah um than if it had never happened and mm -hmm. and i love when then my clients come in and will report to me you know that 
that like they really missed the mark <laughs> and then they're kind of acknowledging that to their kids and their kids will say like these hilarious things that they've learned it's like oh do you need a minute do you need a hug you know <laughs> it's like should we sit together you know these f funny things that it's like this is what they've learned oh when you do something off here here's a way you can offer yourself right and it's not like oh, it's my job to make you feel better. It's like, oh, this is what I've learned we do. And it it seems to work well. And, you know, and usually the mom, it's like so cute. is like, no, I don't need that because actually I'm all right. But yeah. Feeling like that's a good place to stop mm. for today because mm -hmm. that's a little dense. It's a little Indeed. dense. It is. It's a lot of really useful information. Um, and yeah, so I think, I think, Thank you so much for coming to chat with us today. Um, that was a really wonderful conversation. I hope it was a good base level conversation for a lot of folks. We will mm -hmm. be having Jessica back uh, very often to share her amazing knowledge with us. Um, so thank you so much. Thank you. Thank always you, Jessica. fun talking to you guys. Yeah, it's always fun talking to you. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. We are moved to have these private conversations more publicly because it is time. And we hope to inspire you to have larger conversations with you and yours. You can check us out at our website at bbsrtrash.com. That's bbsrtrash.com. And you can engage further on the socials at bbsrtrash. Bye. Bye.